This morning, we get to begin a journey that I am so excited for. Um, I, I feel as though uh, this new message series, I uh, anticipate it and am probably the most excited I've been about a particular message series. I, I find myself feeling that way when it comes to studying through the book of Psalms. And so, uh, today's message is going to be a little bit different than uh, my typical messages, more uh, informative, more instructional, if you will. Uh, Today, I just want to give you the groundwork of a basic understanding of the book of Psalms so that we might uh, begin to dive in and dig into it starting next week. And so, in order to fully be able to appreciate it, and to get as much out of it, we got to do a little prep work at the beginning. And so this morning you'll find in, in your pews, you've noticed that I've provided a handout for you. Many of you are great note takers. You don't need my assistance, but some of you might not be as skilled in taking notes. And so I want you to have this information available for you. And so I'm going to walk through this together with you uh, today. And we're going to really be unpacking the keys to understanding the book of Psalms. And so, as we begin, the very first key to understanding it is to understand who wrote the book of Psalms. This book is unique than any other book of the Bible. This book has actually served as a hymnal for ancient Israel. And so this book is the most quoted book in all of the New Testament There are over 400 either quotations or allusions to the Psalms that are contained in the New Testament. Interestingly, uh, there are 149 references that are contained in the Gospels. The book of Revelation has 103 references to the book of Psalms. And so, uh, with more than 400, I believe that this is perhaps the most personal uh, book that's found in all of the Scriptures. So throughout the ages, God's people have continually turned to the Psalms in order to find comfort, hope, and encouragement, especially in, in times of great need. Like our modern-day hymnal, Psalms is a, is a collection of works by various people. So first and foremost, uh, the one that's most recognized for his contributions to the book of Psalms would be that of David. Uh, David is identified as being the author of at least 73 of the Psalms, and he may have written many other. But David wrote the most... He's written at least 73. Next in line is that of Asaph. Asaph is one of the three chief musicians and the choir directors that served in David's court. In fact, all three of his chief uh, not musicians, I'll get it out there, all three of his musicians uh, wrote and contributed to the book of Psalms, and Asaph is the one that wrote the most of the books among the three. Uh, Asaph wrote 12 of the Psalms. In fact, he wrote Psalm number 50, 
as well as Psalms 73 through 83. Then uh, coming in next would be the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah wrote 11 of the Psalms. They wrote uh, Psalms 42 through 49, as well as Psalm 84, 85, and 87. What's interesting about them really is about their father. Their father actually perished because of his rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And that that account is found in Numbers chapter 16 and in chapter 26. And so Korah's descendants, unlike their father, were among the most devoted worshipers of God during David's reign. And we read about that in 1 Chronicles chapter 6. And so the sons of Korah wrote 11 of the Psalms. And then there's Solomon. Oh, Solomon. Uh, it says in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse number 32, that Solomon wrote 1,005 songs. A thousand and five songs that were written by Solomon and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the preservation of scriptures, we have three of them in our Bible. We have the song of Solomon as well as Psalm chapter 72 and Psalm chapter 127. Then there's Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90 is interesting to me. Uh, it is written by Moses. Uh, Psalm 90 uh, represents probably the, well, not probably, it would be the oldest psalm among all of them. Considering Moses lived some 1,400 years B.C., this would be the oldest of the psalms. And so he wrote this psalm during Israel's 40 years of wandering. Next, uh, we have Haman. Haman is also one of David's chief musicians. And so in addition to his musical abilities, uh, he was respected for his wisdom, and he served as one of David's spiritual advisors. Uh, he is credited uh, to have written Psalm 88. Psalm 88. And then wrapping it up is Ethan. Ethan is the third of David's chief musicians, and he was also noted for his wisdom and he is credited to have written Psalm chapter 89. So understanding the background of who gave us these psalms, we now transition to how the psalms are organized. And so the book of Psalms is actually a volume consisting of five books. Technically, there are no chapters in Psalms. Psalms are individual psalms. It would be Psalm 2, not Psalm chapter 2, because each psalm stands on its own. And so uh, the whole book of psalms, the whole collection of psalms, is divided out into five books. And so book number one would be Psalm 1 through 41. Book two is Psalm 42 through 72. I would imagine that your Bible has... Book 1, Book 2, Book 3, Identified. I'd also imagine that most of you probably have never even noticed that or even you know, paid attention to that detail. But it is interesting. So we have Book 3, which would be uh, Psalm 73 through 89. Book 4 would be uh, Psalm 90 through 106. And then Book 5 
would be Psalm 107 through 150. Now, these five books, interestingly, they correspond to the five books of the Pentateuch or, or of the Torah. Those were the books of the law that were written by Moses. And so, book one is connected to Genesis. Book two, Exodus. And then going in order, book three would be Leviticus. Book four, Numbers. And then book five would be Deuteronomy. Now, each of the books, they conclude with a doxology. A doxology is an an outburst of praise, giving glory unto God. And so, each of the first three books concludes with a double amen. And J.E. read the conclusion of the, the first book, but there in Psalm 40, 41, verse number 13, it says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Then book 2 concludes with Psalm 72, verses 18 and 19, where it says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Book 3 ends with Psalm 89, verse number 52, where it says, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Then when we get to book number 4, well, book 4 ends with an amen and a hallelujah. It says, bless, uh, Psalm 106, verse 48 says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let the people say, Amen, Hallelujah. And some of your translations will render it, Amen, and praise the Lord. And then it all comes to a conclusion in book 5. And book 5 closes out the entire collection with a strong Hallelujah. Book 5 is Psalm 150. Actually, verses 1 through 6, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, I'm good right there. We, we, we go from understanding who gives us the Psalms, to understanding how they're organized. And then I want us just to quickly uh, go through some of the different types or categories of the Psalms. Now, many scholars will, will vary as to the categories that there are in the Psalms. And they'll even vary on how specific Psalms are, are assigned to these categories because the reality is it can become challenging because some psalms fall into more than one category. 
So, so this is just a, a, a very broad generalization here. But here are some typical categories that we'll find through all 150 psalms. There are the category of praise. And so praise, these psalms are, are hymns that are composed primarily for the purpose of exalting God. In these psalms, the, the work of God, the character of God are greatly emphasized. I'll give you some examples. Uh, Psalm 9, 33, 103, and 145. So we have the, the, the psalms of praise. Coming in at number 2. If there were rankings, they're not. But I had to put them in some order. Uh, there would be the psalms of lament. Or the complaining psalms. In these psalms, uh, the author presents his problems or presents the problems on behalf of his nation. He takes those troubles, takes those burdens, and he presents them to God. Now the Psalms of, of Lament are very interesting and insightful. Uh, they, they, they typically fa- follow a, a similar pattern. What usually happens in this psalm is it begins with an introductory cry to God. Here the the psalmist starts by turning directly to God and pouring their heart out to Him. Then there's the lament. That's where they describe the difficulty. The psalmist states what his enemy is doing or what his enemy has done. He'll state what his current uh, frustration or difficulty is. Sometimes these psalms of lament uh, that, that lament is by saying, hey God, you've done this before, but why aren't you doing it now? So you have this introductory cry, you have the lament itself, then there's this confession of trust. So turning from complaining, the psalmist declares their confidence in God. Then there's the petition. The petition is the actual request. It's the request to God for his assistance or his intervention. And then it concludes with an expression of praise. Because of the psalmist's confidence in God, the psalmist concludes the psalm by praising God. Some examples of this are found in Psalm 13, 22, 42, 60, as well as 69. Moving on to a third category is the kingdom psalm or the psalms of enthronement. These are psalms that proclaim and celebrate the truth that the Lord reigns over the earth, over its nations, over all people. It's a celebration of the reality that Jesus reigns. Some examples of this psalm is uh, Psalm 2, uh, 47. 93 and 96. Then there's uh, the Psalm of Confession. Most of these Psalms are written by David. Though these are fewer in number than at least the other categories, the Psalms of Confession are extremely important and especially significant because of our need to understand how to confess our sins unto God. Some examples of this would be uh, 32, 38, and 52. Then we get to 
the imprecatory or the cursing or the judgment psalms. These are psalms in which the author prays, sometimes graphically and violently. They, they pray for the destruction or the judgment of their enemies. And honestly, many people struggle to understand and to accept these psalms. How can it be right for God's people to pray in this way? Especially when when some of these prayers seem contrary to the teachings of Christ. We'll get to it eventually, but what I want you to understand is that the reality is that these psalms offer much insight in how we trust God in the midst of severe hardship and persecution. Some examples of this type of psalm can be found in number 5, 11, 35, 69, and 109. And then one more category that, at least for me, would be the psalms of thanksgiving. These psalms offer thanks to God for His deliverance, for His answered prayers, or for some other kind of blessing that the psalmist has received or experienced. In this psalm, they they often include an offering, a sacrifice, a fulfillment of some vow to the Lord. Some examples of this would be uh, number 21, 30, 34, 40, and 40, I'm sorry, and 66. So 30, 34, 40, and 66. We got the authors, the structure, the different categories. Uh, The the next thing I want to highlight is uh, the various names that are used in here in reference to God. We need to understand uh, the names of God that are used in the book of Psalms. And so one of the ways that God reveals himself is through his name, okay? So in the Psalms, the specific name of God that's used is significant and it emphasizes God's relationship to his people. And and so uh, there's the reference to Jehovah or Yahweh. This is usually translated as Lord or God with all capitalized letters. That's how you'll know if it's being, uh, the name is Jehovah. If, if the Lord is in all capitalized letters, it's Jehovah. So this is God's covenant name, and it emphasizes His faithfulness to His covenant with us. Then uh, we have uh, El or Elohim. It's usually translated uh, as God, but only the G is capitalized. Not all the letters, just the G. This emphasizes God's power to do all things. Then the third name we find is uh, the name Adonai. Adonai is usually translated as Lord, where the L is the only letter that is capitalized. This emphasizes God's authority over us as master. Now, technically, I think it would be more accurate to say that Adonai is used as a description of God, 
or it's used as a title of respect rather than a name in a proper sense. But Adonai is, is certainly an appropriate title for God. And so throughout the Psalms, Jehovah and Elohim are the words that are used the most frequently. And if this helps you, maybe it will. Uh, it's interesting to see how they fall within each of the books. For instance, book number one, the predominant title or name of God that's used is the name Jehovah. Jehovah is used 273 times, whereas Elohim is used 15 times. Now you get to book number two, and Elohim predominates. Elohim is used 164 times compared to Jehovah, which is used 30 times. The most balanced of all books is book number three. Book number three, Jehovah is used as a title for God 44 times, and Elohim is used 43 times. Then finishing it out, Jehovah dominates. In book number four, Jehovah is used 104 times, Elohim seven times. Book number five, Jehovah is used 236 times, whereas Elohim is used seven times. There's a lot for us to learn through the names of our God. We'll get there. We'll get there. Moving in next to to number five is to understand the the spiritual purpose of the psalm. So through the psalms, the, the Jewish people would sing their doctrine. This was their hymnal, if you will. And so the psalms take basic themes of Old Testament truths and doctrine and turn them into songs to be memorized, to be uh, understood, and to uh, be recalled upon. So among the great doctrines that are declared and celebrated in the psalms, you'll find the doctrine of God. They'll talk about His power. His sovereignty, His righteousness, His justice, His love, His mercy. I mean, there's a lot about God in the Psalms. We'll, we'll see the doctrine of God. We'll see the doctrine of creation. The doctrine of man. We'll see the doctrine of God's covenant. Of redemption and salvation. The doctrine of God's word. We'll see eschatology. Eschatology is a future, in the future. So we'll see doctrines that's connected and concerned with death, judgment, the final destiny of, of the soul and of mankind. When you begin to consider all the doctrinal truths that are contained within the Psalms, it's no wonder that Martin Luther referred to the Psalms as the little Bible. He says it's the little Bible because everything that's contained in the entire Bible is beautifully and briefly comprehended and compacted into this little book. There's so much for us to extract. And and, and so, when it comes to understanding the spiritual purpose of the Psalms, uh, the Psalms are written and compiled for the purpose of teaching us to praise God in every circumstance of life. 
It's teaching us to praise Him no matter what. The Psalms teach us to be much occupied with God. They magnify and they exalt God as the sovereign Creator and ruler of His creation. The more occupied we are with God, the more strength we find for living for Him and for His glory. The Psalms teach us, teaches us to, to praise Him in every occasion of life. To praise God in our joy and in our sorrow. To praise Him in times of trouble and in times of triumph. To praise Him in victory as well as in defeat. To praise Him in the midst of a burden or as we experience the blessing. To praise Him in every occasion of life. The Psalms teaches us to have faith in God in the midst of our affliction. It teaches us to receive comfort from God in our distress. May you know that whatever spiritual mood you find yourself in, there is a psalm to match that mood. Whether it is triumph or defeat, joy or sorrow, or even excitement or depression, there is a corresponding psalm to meet our need. In fact, in your handout, I'm not going through this on the screen at all, but you'll notice that at least for book number one, we have the, uh, the, the summary of the psalm available for you. So that you can see all of the 41 psalms that are contained in this book, just a basic sentence summary of what that psalm is all about. Because sometimes you need to turn directly to the psalm to find the comfort you need in the midst of your situation. Additionally, uh, the psalms teaches us how to pray in every occasion of life. The psalm provides model prayers from which we can learn much from. So of, of all the lessons for, for you note takers, of all the lessons that are learned from Psalms, the two that raise to the top, at least for me, number one, is that we have liberty to empty our heavy hearts at the throne of God. We have liberty to hold nothing back when we go before the Father. The Psalms are brutally honest. They erupt with raw emotions. You can find every emotion of the human soul contained within the Psalms. So the first thing that rises to the top is that we are at liberty to empty our heavy hearts at the throne of God's grace. And number two, our problems turn to praise when we pray. Our problems turn to praise when we pray. Many of the Psalms follow a similar pattern. They begin with a problem and end with a praise. Now, in many of these Psalms, the, the prayer resulted in solving the problem or changing the circumstance. But, however, in many others, the praise flowed before the victory ever came, before the trouble was ever overcome. In other words, prayer 
changes us. Prayer changes us. So the overall message of Psalms is that we can cry out to God about anything and everything. Man, let that sink in. We can cry out to God about anything and everything. And when we do, fear turns to faith. Sorrow turns to joy. Worry turns to peace. I greatly anticipate what God will do within us and among us as we go through this journey through the Psalms. Now, we're starting with book one, right? 41 Psalms. Where we go from there, I don't know yet, right? But here's what I'm asking from you. I'm asking you to join me in this journey. I'm asking you to make this a priority in your life and in your schedule. Which means I'm asking you to show up, not just today, but every single week. Not just to show up, but to show up prepared, excited, engaged, listening with open ears and open heart, open mind, and ready to respond to what God shows us as we go through this journey together. And this is unlike anything that I've ever done before. Because not only am I preaching through the Psalms, I'm now inviting you to join me in praying through the Psalms. We're going to be preaching and praying through the Psalms together. And so that's, that's, that's where the exciting part comes in. Because, listen, prayer changes us. We just said that, Right? So imagine a church that's unified together, going through the Psalms together, at home, praying through the Psalm together, coming together on a Wednesday night. Man, every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock in the other building, so park in the other parking lot, but in the other building, we gather together to pray through the Scriptures. So guess what we're going to be praying about? The Psalms. We're going to be praying through the Psalms. Like, I'm all in with this, right? And and the leadership of the church is all in with this. The the committees of our church, the finance committee has has given us the, the great privilege to be able to present to you books today. Like, I've got resources for you. I came across this, this, this material earlier in this year. And I'm telling you from personal experience, learning how to pray through the Scripture has greatly changed me as a person, as a minister, as a father, just in life. And so now I have a different perspective on things. Right? It's helping to be refocused on what really matters, and what really matters is praising and glorifying God in every season of life. There are no bad days. It's a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There's different days, different seasons, different emotions, but different opportunities to praise God in the midst of that day. And so I'm going to invite you today to join me. Now, some of you have already received a book from me. I've been giving these out as quickly as I I, I get them in. 
Some of you have uh, ladies, uh, 323 fitness ladies. You already have copies of this book. Okay? Listen, we don't have a lot of books, but we have enough books. So what we're about to do in just a moment, we're going to pray for us. We're going to have our time of response. And I'm going to invite you to go all in, to come and to take some of these materials. So what's it available for? I'm trying to give you one per family. Right? If you already have one, because they gave you one, or you're in a class that already has it, just kind of hold off. Let's wait. But one per family. If you're 18 years or almost 18 years and older, man, get a book for yourself. Right? No matter if you're living at home or, or not, I don't care. But get one for yourself. Right? So the goal is uh, family units having a, the materials to ideally go through it together with your family at home. Ideally, Fathers leading your family through reading of the Psalms and working through those prayer prompts. So, so, so one per family or 18 years, almost 18 years or older, grab one for yourself, okay? And then after we're done with our time of response, we've got a few instructions to give you, but I'm not going to give those to you yet until you actually have a book in your hand, okay? So, Jeff, why don't you come on up and y'all get ready to play to play. I'm going to pray for us. And during this time, come and get a book. If you already have a book, wait. Let's try to give these books out over the next few weeks. In these books, you have information on how you can, if you want to buy some uh, extra journals for you or your family, there's places in here to show you how to do that. If you want to help us make this available to more people, there's a way that you can give so we can buy more and give them out to other people. Right. So all I ask is if you take this book, you'll use this book. And if you take the book and you don't use the book, then bring it back because I'll get it to somebody who will. That's it. That's it. I'm telling you what, what will happen with us as we go through this together is going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I want everybody to have the opportunity to be a part of it. Let's pray. Father, help us. God, help us to love your word. God, help us to be fully uh, committed to this process. God, I pray that you will use the Psalms to, to really just reorient our priorities, Father. That you give us great encouragement, great conviction, great motivation to live our lives in full submission unto you. So God, even in this moment, Father, let's not overlook the great request that you give unto us. And that is that you ask for us to to bring you our burdens, our cares, our worries. And the beautiful truth of the Psalms is that we can bring it all to you with the raw emotions in the midst of it. We don't have to hold anything back. Some of us are holding things back today. Some of us are struggling with hardship and whatever circumstance that might be, Father, and we're just holding on. I pray that during this time that we would, uh, before we even grab books, that we would just fall on our knees, turn it over to you. We would praise you in the midst of our pain and our hardship, that we would trust you to do the work that is necessary in and through our lives, that you might be glorified and the church would be strengthened. Father, help us to honor you and glorify you in the midst of all of this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Hey, elders and I are down here at the front or off to the side to pray with you and encourage you in any way. If you want to be a part of this journey, come. Get your books.